Welcome to Sensemaking. I'm Carla Joy Treadway. I'm an integrated life and business coach, the creator of The Sovereign, and a seasoned wellness practitioner. I believe in investigating the truth. I mean the whole truth. And I bring on sensemakers of all kinds who are brave enough to poke holes in commonly accepted narratives. The world is wild, my friends. And with censorship, cancel culture, and pretend uniformity of opinion, we need more sensemakers who are willing to be who they authentically are, bringing their real-life stories and evidence to the table. Sensemaking will challenge how you feel about a variety of topics from health, politics, spirituality, culture, and more. I want to free you from thinking that you have to go along with the narratives. But mostly, I hope you find yourself in the stories we share here, sparking the idea that, hey, I'm not so alone in my thinking, after all. Welcome to the show. Today I'm interviewing Phil Romaine. We are going to be having some talks about politics, uh, bringing together the left and the right. Well, you know, at least gathering the center-left, center-right people. (laughs) We're going to be talking about money. We're going to be talking about gold and silver. Um, There's going to be a lot of conversations in here that you're going to want to hear. Uh, Phil Romaine has been building his Instagram account for a while. He's got fantastic news over there. If you want to really stay up to date on a lot of things that matter right now that are really important, especially in Canada um, or the the financial sector abroad, uh, because that will impact what's going on in Canada, uh, you're definitely going to want to go over to his account. He's got some really, really helpful videos over there. Uh, Before we get into the show, uh, I have to pay the bills. So this week's episode is brought to you by The Sovereign, my private coaching container for a wild world. Guys, this is the only membership that you need right now. I offer you master level coaching for body, brain, and business. These are the things you really need. Now, the community that's inside, they're all awake, just like you. But we don't want to be inside this container talking about the problems. We want to be in there talking about the solutions. It's time to get healthier. It's time to get stronger. It's time to be well-connected, wealthier. Honestly, guys, if you don't think money is important right now, you're not watching what's going on. So weekly calls to help you build a matrix-free business, weekly calls for your mindset, weekly practices for your mental health so you stay rooted, stable, and clear. And if you join right now, I'm also going to throw in The Practice, my digital wellness studio. You'll receive breath work, meditations, yoga classes, workouts, everything you need to keep your body physically strong. The body's ground zero, guys. If you're not taking care of your body, you're not taking care of your mind. So this literally is a jam-packed, value-packed membership, and there's nothing like it. I guarantee it. See the show notes to join now. Uh, We will be raising the price for the Sovereign soon, so get in now while you can, and you're going to get the practice for free. It's a pretty epic deal. 
Also, TWC, the wellness company, sponsors this show. The wellness company is an awake team of doctors and pharmacists that have their primary goal being to keep you actually healthy. They believe in science, not political science. They sell all sorts of supplements that can help you detox spike from the body, boost your immunity and your mitochondrial health, but they're not just a supplement company. They're building parallel healthcare systems. It already exists in the United States. You can get hooked up with awake doctors whose primary goal is to get you off of as many pharmaceuticals as possible and onto more natural health regimes. They're not anti-medicine guys there's still they can still prescribe you medicine but their ultimate goal is to um, you know optimize your quality of life your actual health they don't want you dependent on anything and we're getting pretty close to being able to have these same services in Canada so it's definitely definitely a company that you want to support I've been taking their products for a long time now I have never felt better um, link to purchase is in the show notes again or use code Carla joy to save 10% and last but not least, because we're talking about money in today's episode, um, I am a big proponent of silver and gold. I am not giving you financial advice. Of course, this is just what I strongly believe in. Um, one, find an awake financial advisor. We have a great one coming into the sovereign, but also save your money, save it, grow it, create it. Uh, this is important right now. So I am using this epic gold and silver app right now that allows me to buy silver and gold at a press of a button, liquidate it at the press of a button. I can transact on it. The company's super awake um, and it's helping me build wealth quickly. If you'd like some more information on that, send me a DM on Instagram or you can email me hello at carlajoytreadway.com and I would love to connect with you there about how you can preserve, save, and increase your own wealth stores. With that, um, let's get into the episode. I love this conversation with Phil. I think you're going to like it too. Um, let me know what you think. Hit the subscribe button if you like what we're doing here. And with that, let's get into the show. All right, everyone, welcome to the show. I'm Carla Joy Treadway, and I have with me my friend Phil Romaine of The Promaine Show. Phil, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. I've been sharing your content on Instagram for a while, and I've been saying that you are my go-to for the news now. Like, I stopped watching mainstream media a long time ago, and if I need to know what's going on, I just head over to your account, and uh, I know that you're going to bring me up to speed. <laughs> well, that's the catchphrase right now, right? I don't know where I got that from, but I know it's not original. Um, it kind of speaks to the situation we're, we're in right now where, you know, the normal citizens have to be the ones who bring you the news that you need to know, right? Because uh, mainstream media is just not doing that, right? So that's why I guess my channel is doing well right now because, look, I'm no genius. All I'm doing is taking stories that exist, but aren't being talked about, but they're easily verifiable, meaning I can find the sources to back them up. And sometimes liberal sources, because of course they own 90% of the media. So what I like to do is find a good old liberal source to use it pretty much not against them. But if people see Fox News or people see this, they're just gonna have this built up thing against it for some reason, because they've kind of all been brainwashed to believe that all sources need to be liberal. So I just go ahead and play that game. Uh, but 
I really appreciate um, you saying that. And it's kind of an honor for people to come to me for news. But again, like, like I said, that, that shows how sad the situation is where the normal citizens have to kind of rise up to be the news because the news isn't doing its job. And it's probably the most important part of the democracy is that as the news. So I, they've been doing a disservice since after 9-11, in my opinion. Yep. Elon Musk talks about that without free speech, we can't have a functioning democracy. And Trish yeah. Wood mentions that in her podcast every single time that yeah. if legacy media did its job, none of this would be happening. Absolutely. So you weren't always doing this, this stuff, the updating us being uh, a source of independent media. What were you doing before? Like, give us a little bit of a backstory history. What were you doing before um, you started bringing us up to speed? So I'm actually from the healthcare industry. I've been in healthcare for about 10 years. Um, and that's where I was when COVID started. And so it gave me the unique perspective of seeing things from the inside. And I'm actually an artist. I make music, like I compose music. Um, I make hip hop music primarily, but I also make R&B music, I sing. So that's what I've always been kind of chasing since you know I was like younger. I put up a few albums here and there. Um, and that's that was my goal. That was my kind of dream, what I was working towards, right? Um, and around like spring 2020, they were supposed to go on tour in Europe. And then obviously that got canceled. It was 2020. And it gave me an opportunity to kind of sit back. And what I did was I took the money I would have spent on the tour and I bought all of the equipment in this room here. Um, and so I kind of taught myself, everybody picked up a hobby, you know, during, uh, during COVID. And so I started teaching myself how to, how to, how to compose music, how to produce. But then again, working my, my full-time job in the hospital, I started to see things that were very contrary to what was getting put, put out in the media. And what I mean by that is that, like, so give me, just give you, let me just give you an example. This is the story of COVID in my mind, all right? When they should have made a big deal, they didn't. And when they should have stopped making a big deal, that's when they started making a big deal. What I mean by that is this, is that in the beginning, um, the WHO didn't label it a pandemic until March. Even back then, I had all of the information available to me to say that it was a pandemic in January. It didn't take, in the beginning, the media and uh, the Surgeon General of the United States and Fauci said that masks didn't work. Um, and the whole message was that masks didn't work. Of course, Canada didn't actually mandate the mask until July, and we had COVID since March. So what I had seen at that time was a purposeful approach to allow the spread of the virus at maximum level in order for them to implement the things that they implemented. And from where I was sitting in the hospital, it was never a uh, denial for me to know that the virus was real. I always knew it was real because I saw it and I did see people dying, but those people were at risk. And I can tell you from my experience that by the summer of 2020, the pandemic was basically over. And I mean no disrespect to anybody who's lost any loved ones after that date, because even I myself contracted COVID in like, I think 2022, right? And it was, it was pretty, it was, it was a severe cold, to be honest with you, that, but that's just me. I was, I'm not at risk. Mm -hmm. Other people may be, right? So no disrespect to them, but from my personal experience in the hospital, the, the pandemic was over. And what I mean by that was, you know, panic mode 
by the summer of 2020. And then that's when they started to really go off the rails with, with, with mandates, with, uh, you know, of course the vaccine was coming out and then they mandated that. So when they should have made a big deal, they didn't. And when they shouldn't have no longer made a big deal, they did. So it seems to be the opposite of what was true. And so what I started doing and how I got into this was because I was, it was frustrating to me seeing those messages put out. So I just started to make YouTube videos, right? I think I called the, called it COVID truth. And I had like some YouTube videos. It, it was fun. It was a new kind of direction. And the only purpose that I had for doing it was to inform my close, my close, my social circles and my family and friends so that they could better protect themselves. Right. So that's what I was doing uh, in the beginning. It got like, you know, a few hundred views, maybe like the best one was like 500 views, but I didn't care about the views. I just wanted to do something new and to speak up because I, I, I saw a clear deception from our, from our leaders. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was following a lot of scientists. I was following a lot of things like Taiwan, uh, South Korea, like a lot of world news, like from Hong Kong. So I could see what they were doing over there that was so different than us to com combat the virus. So first of all, Taiwan only had like 300 deaths by the summer of 2020. And of course, everybody else had like, you know, hundreds of thousands, right? Oh, anyways, what's being reported. Mm -hmm. they, they never closed, they never closed their economy, right? They, they kept it open and they're right beside China. Right, which is supposed to be ground zero for COVID. So, yeah. so that's 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 who we need to kind of follow that model to see like what they're doing. So that's just an example of sources that I would follow to see what their scientists are saying, like to see. And so I always found this 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 deception that was coming from the Western media, and I knew that there was some kind of strange agenda behind it. Even then, so that's what I did. And then I got tired of talking about COVID as of the fall of 2020. I was like, you know, this is just done. I'm tired of talking about this now. It's time to move on. Right. So I just kind of stopped, started focusing back on music. And then um, in 2022, I kind of went through a lot of um, like personal struggles. I went through about like six or seven like serious tests, right? And um, those all kind of stretched me out and made me kind of new. And it wasn't until this year, sorry, let me backtrack a little bit here. In April of uh, 2021, I, uh, I, I started making posts again on TikTok. And so TikTok started doing really well. Um, and the reason why I decided to jump back into the fray, like I said, I gave it up by uh, the end of 2020. I said, I'm done with this. The reason why I jumped back into the fray is because Doug Ford in April came forward and tried to get the police to stop people and uh, ask them for their papers. If you were out, you had to be in. And if you were out, then police could stop you at random, check you for your papers. And so you had to stay inside. So, uh, the next day, the police forces came forward. I think it was about 30 police forces and basically, you know, unilaterally put their middle fingers up and told Ford to, to cut, basically screw off, right? So that was a really pivotal moment, in my opinion, in Canadian history that gets overlooked because you had the government in power trying to enforce these draconian measures to get police to stop people and check them at random in the streets. And the police said, basically, screw off, right? So that's a really important thing that happened there. And thank God, I don't know what happened. Because the following year, the police were used against the protesters. But, you know, that was a very different situation. But thank God they didn't enforce that. But anyways, when the first day of that came, uh, came forward, he announced that on Friday. And then on the Saturday, I went with my friend to the track and field over here at Young and Eglinton. I live in Toronto. And I kind of made a video, right? And I was just like, basically, like, yeah, screw you, Ford. We're out here. Um, and then I talked about how, why is it the police? That, isn't it sad that the police, of all people, have to stand up for our rights, right? I thought you were conservative. You're a fake ass conservative. Da, 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 da. That video did really, really well. 
like it, it's all comparative now, but it got up to like 20,000 views. And that was pretty big because for me on YouTube, I'd only seen like a few hundred. So I was like, okay, well, this is something that might work here. So I started making more TikTok videos and then it kind of fizzled out. I didn't really follow it too much, but it was going really well. And then I started going through a lot of personal tests and personal struggles, like I said, in 2022. And that went throughout the entire year, right? And it wasn't until this year when I really decided, I was like, you know what? I, I have to stop splitting my efforts between music and what's clearly working and not go for what I necessarily want, but what the world needs, what I'm good at and what seems to be working. So I made the decision to go all out hundred percent with what I'm doing now. And I said, you know what, it's been working. So I'm going to continue with it. And so I stopped working during the week. I no longer take a paycheck. This is what I do Monday to Friday. And I work on the weekends at the hospital. Um, so not every weekend, but basically every weekend I'm, I'm working at the hospital and, uh, during the week I'm doing this Monday to Friday and, uh, I'm trying to be consistent by putting a video out every day, but you know, it, it's pretty tough. Uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's fulfilling. It gives me, gives me purpose. And as soon as I decided to go all in with one thing and stop splitting my efforts and take a chance, uh, things started working and, um, they deleted my TikTok, but it, it was funny because on the same day that my Instagram reached the same amount of following I had on my TikTok. My TikTok got deleted. So it was kind of like, it was kind of cool because I lost TikTok, but yet I had Instagram. And mm -hmm. so I'm with Instagram right now. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen with that? It seems to be working. That's great. I love it. I'm reaching people. I'm happy. Uh, if they decide to take me down, it doesn't make a difference to me because I've done it on two social media platforms now and I can replicate it anywhere because I know what I have to offer. I know what people are looking for. I know what's working. So any social media company that wants my business, they can have it, right? Because nothing can basically deter me. I've dedicated my life to this, to this path now. So there's, there's absolutely nothing that can, that can stop me. So that's kind of why I'm doing this and, uh, and how it all kind of started for me. That's interesting that you said you had to decide music or this. And yeah. I get asked all the time, um, like, was it safe to do what I did? Or like, I can't do what you're doing because I need to protect my business. And I get that. And we're all in different situations. But personally, when I started speaking out, it's because I saw the bigger picture and saw if I don't do this, eventually, I'm probably going to lose my ability to run mm -hmm. a business. Um, if the things happen to our economy that I'm worried about, mm -hmm. then who cares about my little business? Like this is actually what we have to do also to preserve our livelihood. So short-term thinking would be like protect your work, but yeah. playing the long game. The long game is we have to fight against this thing or we're all in trouble whether you speak out or not. Absolutely. It's it's so true. And you know, time and time we, we see that like one person can make a difference, right? So you can inspire all kinds of people just by just by one person. And I think that that's all it takes sometimes to stop things from going in the wrong direction is just one person, at least to speak out against it. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm definitely glad that uh, it seems to be working out well, uh, right now. And um, there's a lot of things that are going on that are just like, it's like, it's, this is not the country that I grew up in. And I don't, I grew, we grew up in a really, well, I knew I, I grew up in the nineties and it was just way more free. It was way less division mm -hmm. and people were more resilient. People just had thicker skin. We didn't have all these problems. 
And I just want to preserve that. I just want, I see this country going in a really bad direction. And I just want to preserve that. The number one thing to me is like censorship and free speech. And um, those are the two that's like pretty much the most important issue to me. Because once you have that, you, you can protect everything else, right? Yeah, 100%. Can we speak to like that division? Because the, the language and the narrative is that we're doing this to unite people and to make things better and more inclusive and more loving. But I got two eyeballs on my face. I don't know about you. Everything, yeah. everything definitely seems way worse, way more divided politically. Um, you have like religious groups against trans, you have gender wars, you have race wars. I don't see any togetherness anymore and everything seems amplified. And I don't know if I'm seeing something false from social media, but I, I don't think it's working very well. No, it's definitely not working because people aren't having conversations anymore. I think it all really started from the university campuses. Um, you had you used to have more of a balance between liberal and conservative professors. It used to be five and five and, and university deans used to go out of their way to have that be the balance. Mm -hmm. uh, now it's like nine to one, right? So mm -hmm. that's where it starts, pretty much always starts at the top. Again, there's no, um, there's no conservative media that's considered to be reputable, even though they are. Um, it's, it's all liberal sources, it's all one-sided. Um, so it, coming from the media, you're getting one view, one perspective and they're pushing it's propaganda and people don't realize that they're taking in propaganda, right? Because good propaganda means that you don't recognize it. it's propaganda. So you, you, you don't think you're being brainwashed, right? Cause people just think you're going to get put into a room and they're going to be like, Oh, this is why this is bad. It's like, no, it's way more sneaky than that. Right. So all this propaganda against Florida, for instance, right. Where it's like Florida used to be like the number one destination for all Canadians like a year ago, two years ago, like everybody used to love Florida right now, all of a sudden we're supposed to believe Florida is the worst place on earth. Like Florida is the worst place for trans people. Florida is racist somehow, even though the majority of their population in Miami is, 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 is black and Hispanic, even though, you know, it's doing so well, right. Like, but, but you have these narratives that are spun about, you know, about their governor or about, you know, they're, they're just, it's so polarized, right? And it's because there's a certain agenda that's in place. And that agenda is, it's like, there's no more room for conversation or different views. There's only one view. And that view is that basically, um, if you, if you disagree with, with anything, then they just slap you with racism or hatred as the, as the yeah. two cardinal sins, right? And then it that's just stops awesome. the conversation. So is as long as people aren't able to to have a debate and talk freely and have both sides in, in a respectful manner, then there's not going to there's going to be that division. That's the big difference between now and then. Back in the day, people used to talk and they wouldn't get so offended. They would just defend their points, right? Yeah, and um, they had a sense of humor in the '90s too. There was there was also yeah. that. But it's yeah. well, it just takes a name. So. Like the last three years, yes, we threatened people's livelihoods. We told them that they were going to die, literally, if they didn't do a certain thing. Those are powerful motivators. But the number one motivator was social shaming. And yeah. this is what's really scary. All it takes to control a population is call someone a name and they will yeah. fall in line lockstep. So you have uh, like activists and far left extremists just identifying as like, oh, well, we're the good side. We're yeah. the love and inclusion party. Meanwhile, yeah. I, have a, I have a chuckle at this like all the time. The anti-racism people 
are judging people by their physical shells. The pro-bodily autonomy people want to forcefully jab everybody. The anti-fascists want government to collude with news media, with our institutions. I'm like, are, do you guys even know the definitions of all yeah. of these words? The Love and Inclusion Party are like the most hateful, intolerant group oh, I've yeah. ever seen. And you guys just think you can call yourself something and then your actions don't matter anymore. And yeah. we're all sitting over here like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's really, really, it's really, really bad. And I think, you know, it just goes from, it, leadership is so important, right? Like, I'm going to lay this, in, 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 as far as Canada is concerned, I will lay this at the current prime minister's feet, right? Because what he says matters, right? Like, so, because yeah. people listen to him, right? And the media listens to him. So when he says things like, you know, conservatives are hateful and racist and they're far right. They use this really colorful language to other people and to just paint them to the corner and just make people believe that they're a bad guy, right? It's like, you know, conservatives, uh, they hate black people, right? Or they they hate trans rights or they hate gays. So they, they, they use this language that demonizes the other side, right? And so people fall for that stuff Unfortunately, I, I don't know why, but well, actually I do know why. It's called social diffusion theory. And basically it's a theory from the private sector. I learned it in school and uh, it was developed by Roger Moore in 1962. And uh, it's something that the private sector has always used for advertising. And it's been taken on by the public sector in recent years. And basically it goes like this, is that if you have enough people in a population um, saying things, uh, people of influence, whether it's media or social media influencers, if people are saying the same thing, it diffuses to the population. And the statistic is that 70% of people will only believe something if it's being said everywhere. Only 30% of people can believe something uh, by not hearing it said everywhere. So only 30% of people can, can believe something that doesn't need to be heard everywhere, basically. And so that's kind of like human nature. Right. And so uh, once you once you kind of understand that, it kind of helps to to explain why so many people go with these crazy policies or because they, they're trusting these voices. Right. They don't have the time to get into the weeds or to maybe follow the news so that they just get their news from trusted sources. And that's the danger right now of what's going on. And that's why leadership is like so important, because if you have the wrong person in, they're going to take advantage of these things that they know very well. Right. They know social diffusion theory. So that's right. And self-leadership too. I don't know about you, but this is, this is something that I'm trying to grow into. We got to make sure that we're not doing the same thing. And that's really hard. Like I, I yeah. will criticize the liberal and NDP government all day long because the government in power are tyrants. They're out of integrity. They are lying. They are yeah. corrupt, but especially after what was done the last three years, it's really hard not to be angry at people that vote for this party. And we have yeah. to also hold that all liberals are not a certain way. All people that vote NDP are not a certain way. And that's really, really yeah. hard because you nailed it. Like the, we can't be divided for a democracy to be efficient and Canada works really well. And this is what everyone forgets. Like liberals need conservatives and conservatives need liberals because without the conservatives, the liberals keep progressing to no end. They keep progressing yeah. to 
lunacy land. We're seeing that right now in real time. So we need the conservatives uh, to lay down some facts, to lay down like basic math and economics, but also um, hold true to some traditional values. And then the conservatives without some progression can really get stuck in the mud. So the parties yeah. need to work together. Um, yeah, we hear all day long about the far right. It's never just conservative. It's always far right extremism, far right extremism. Yeah. If you're a normal person from the 90s, you're a far right extremist right now. Yeah. You never hear about the far left. And that's that, what that exactly. Yeah, exactly. It, it's true. I, I used to be a liberal, to be honest with you, until Same. like I, around 20, I think it was around 2013. It's when I, that's when I started to just look at things a little differently. Same. Um, and uh, unfortunately, I, I think that a lot of it has to do with self-reflection. I think people need to like, although I believe in that 70, 30 percent thing and, and it, it allows me to to understand people and not get so frustrated with them. There is also a level of responsibility that the individual has to have to say like, you know, okay, all right, I know, you know, I've been voting liberal, but I don't approve of this thing that Trudeau did. I think it's wrong, right? So you, so there also has to be a moment in which just because your guy is the guy who's in power, it doesn't mean that everything he does is okay, right? So I may have liked, just just an example, I may have liked Trump, right? But I have to have the, to, the vision to be able to be like, okay, well, you know what? I love Trump, but... I kind of, he kind of lost me when he said the election's rigged, or he kind of lost me when he said DeSantis is, uh, 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 is, uh, assaults old people, right? So you have to be able to be a fan of somebody and still realize that they're, they're like, still take a look at what they're doing. Don't just follow in blind faith because I'll tell you right now, the people who are propping up Trudeau, and I'm not trying to start a generational thing here, but they know damn well, it's the, it's the liberal boomers who are, the older population right now, and I love them. I love the boomers. Okay, they're split down in half. Some of them I like, some of them I don't. <laughs> the thing is, is that they're the ones who are propping up this liberal government because they remember the liberals of the past, and it's a nostalgia for them. Yes. They're not really taking the time. And I have this conversation with even my mom. I'm like, listen, this Trudeau is not your. He's not Trudeau senior. Okay, he he's completely different, right? And he's not. And Trudeau is not dumb, right? He's he is not dumb. He has been doing a lot. He's been passing a lot of laws and he is very cunning and he's been doing a lot. So leadership is like the most important thing. And I think that with that, things can be fixed easier than people think. That's right. The tribalism is like bypassing yeah. um, people's ability to just see what is right in front of their faces. So yeah. they might really want to believe in those liberal values and they believe in the liberal values, but it doesn't matter if you believe in them. It doesn't matter if you want them to work. The only thing that matters is, is it working? So if you can't watch a documentary like Canada is dying. Yeah. <laughs> If you can't walk down the street in Toronto, or you're probably not yeah. walking down the street in Toronto because it's fucking terrifying right now. If you can't see yeah. that everything is falling apart, yeah. healthcare, uh, they're destroying our energy supply without a proper solution. They're putting in mandates and digital like IDs now after the pandemic. Like if you can't see that they are incompetent, at at the very least they're incompetent, and at the very worst they're they're malevolent and sinister but it, it's not working absolutely um 
if I'm speaking honestly, uh, I identify everything that's happening as a, I think there's a saying, it's like, something happens once, it's coincidence. If something happens twice, it's happenstance. But the third time means enemy action, right? So we are on like the sixth or seventh time. Yeah. Where, and what I mean by that is like, you have the digital ID, you have the COVID lockdowns, you have climate change lockdowns possibly coming. You have the censorship of the internet with Bill C-11. You have the censorship of news organizations like C-18. Um, you have the guns being taken away. Basically, they, they're like, you can't even get a gun anymore, I don't think. Right. And this, these things have just kind of, these things have just kind of happened, right? And they're not just happening by themselves. They're part of a, of a, of an agenda, right? And the reason why it goes forward is because people actually do agree with these policies, right? There are people who think that guns should be taken away, but that's because the narrative has been dominated, right? By one side. So this is the thing about Canada. And this is why the censorship is so important to them here. When I say them, I mean the Trudeau government. Um, the reason why it's so important to them is because Canadians are by far and large in the center or around the center. You'll find center liberals and you'll find center conservatives, progressive conservative party. So Canadians are kind of fair-minded. They're not as polarized as our friends to the South. They're not on complete, you know, you, you'll find a lot of like uh, conservatives who will vote for liberals and liberals who will vote for conservatives. People very close to me, of course, I'm in Toronto. I have lots of liberal friends, my family. They voted for conservatives before. Yeah. And even some of the most liberal people I know, like, and when I say liberal people, I just mean, you know, the, the average, right? Um, but uh, we do find people who are on the far left and far, far right, and they're pushing and they're getting the attention and they're getting the media coverage. So we see these things, but on a people level, on a person level, on the street level, most Canadians are around the center or just slightly right of center or left of center. So when they have the opportunity to get information, they... They're reasonable, and this is what I believe. But the problem is, is there's a, there's a, this is a battle in the information. This is a war in the information battle space, and so that's why the censorship piece is so important to them right now, because they know that if Canadians get a chance to hear a different voice or someone who makes sense, then they might change their minds, right? So that's why you have this huge push for censorship right now. It's it's just going on like four different bills right now of censorship. The Digital Safety Commissioner, uh, Bill C-36, where they're trying to change the definition of hate speech. So you can uh, basically, uh, once the final bill's passed, it was yet to see, but basically it's like people can report you, just like in Ireland, for something that they deem to be offensive because the hate speech laws are, already, are being changed to include what pe most people find offensive. You can report anonymously where you don't have to go to court and you can be awarded up to $20,000 for doing it. So this sets up a secret court. This sets up, sets up a banana Republic. Sorry, I'm talking a lot. This no, sets up, this sets up a Russian Federation 1917 uh, type moment, right? So that's what's happening. And I think that people are so used to things being so good here that it's hard to believe that this could be happening. It's not a comfortable reality to confront that your leaders might have your might not have your best interests in mind. Things have always worked here. We've had a great country, right? So people are very, uh, they're not very um, open to accepting the fact that the government really has these things in mind for them, right? But once you show them this simple stuff, they're like, oh, it's crazy. So yeah. 
so I think that that's the biggest, like, this is where I, I consider it, and I don't mean to use um, supercharged language, but I'm already past the point of, of, of uh, like, to me, this is war, right? They've already taken my rights. These are things that people would have had to die for in World War II, right? You, you, you don't have the honor to take me to the battlefield. You, so that's the most offensive part to me is that you think you can be so sneaky about it. So for me, we're already at war. You've already put me in jail. If you take away my 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 thing, to, this is how I think. If I'm in, if I can't speak, you've already put me in jail. There's no difference. So that's why I'm doing what I'm doing now, and that's what I think the battle is all about right now is is information. It, it hasn't gotten to the next stage yet. So that's why uh, the censorship is being pushed so 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 vigorously. And thank God, thank God we have at least one politician who seems to be on the level. And that would be Pierre. In my opinion, he seems to be on the level. People, people say things and they do things different when they get in power, but he's saying all the right things. And the way he got in there, if I don't, if I remember correctly, is we had Aaron O'Toole. And then after the truckers came in, he kind of was supporting them. And they, if anything would have happened from that, from that uh, protest, it's that Pierre Polyev got in because Aaron O'Toole stepped down and he stepped down because he was pressured to step down because he should have stepped down and he stepped down for a reason. And that was because that whole thing happened. And in his place was Pierre. Now was Pierre placed there or was it an actual organic thing that happened? I believe it was organic because I've been watching Pierre since 2017 where I was like, this guy, I like this guy. So I had always wanted him to run. So when he announced, I was like, Oh my God, Oh my God, he's running. (laughs) But like I said, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm very careful to, to put my, my eggs all in one basket. The most important thing is us, the people, our personal resilience and um, us just not being afraid to take a look at the information that's out there and, um, and you know, kind of uh, speak out when we feel we need to. I, I think the really wild thing is when you present solid information like you do on your account and you'll show people and they still disconnect and in a world that's obsessed with talking about privilege, it's funny that they don't recognize Western privilege. So they see the social credit system in China and they think, well, our social credit system wouldn't be like that. Or I argue with people all day long about socialism, like the 20 year olds coming out of university thinking that socialism is a good thing. I I simply questions i'm like can you name a socialist country they always name the netherlands and like the netherlands isn't socialist they have socialism like canada does china is socialist oh well our socialism would be better and no one has read a history book we were never i was born in 1984 we never learned about communism in school more people died under the hands of stalin and mao than the holocaust everybody starved to death they murdered people if we actually knew that and what people don't understand too about politics like you mentioned like liberals voting for conservatives and vice versa maybe it always mattered but back in the day i wouldn't have been terrified if someone from the ndp was in power i think things are very very different because jack layton's ndp was different he was very much for the working man it was a yes it was a socialist party but it was it was different Jag Meets NDP is a full socialist party. Absolutely. Don't don't like don't even get me started on NDP. That liberal NDP coalition was against 
democracy because we gave them two minority governments back to back and they went around and did a back deal door uh, back door deal <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they have this coalition where they're able to pass all of these things but we the canadian people did not give them that power right they took it so i so ndp don't even get me started and you're absolutely right um i would have the even the pierre trudeau liberal his father was a different liberal yes the liberals of my of my mom's era are now modern day conservatives and i tell them all the time i'm like you do realize that you are considered a conservative right and it gets them every time i'm like because they because they know because they talk to new liberals and they see they're like oh you guys are mad okay but they don't say anything they just kind of go along with it right yeah but it's absolutely true um and um i that's why i have my eye also on uh on uh jfk the new jfk i believe it's his son right he's running in the states as a democrat bobby Kennedy. Now, yeah yeah and uh like he's talking about cbc's he's it's the first thing that he talked about right yeah and he, he again he's saying the right things he seems to be a classic type democrat right yeah. now again is he just there has he been planted we don't know but i would consider even me consider possibly voting democrat with a guy like that but that's so rare these days and it's something that i kind of miss is where you could kind of you could be comfortable with the other side you understand that maybe they want certain things more but you both knew that you had the best interests of the country at heart you both knew that you wanted the best for the country you might have different ideas of doing it but the end result is not hurting people what we have now is, a, is an end result we have all the data to indicate that these policies don't work right and so it's, it's easy to kind of to change people's mind once they have the data so if i show them that the opioid crisis has tripled since we have these safe injection sites right if you have that data available to you you have to go back and change the policy and that's the purpose of government is to enact policy you check the data they have teams of people who check the data and then they they take it back and they change directions but we're ignoring that so that makes me think that the days of us of of at least the the people in power the days of us being able to share the same goal of wanting what's best for the country if they're looking at the same data as i am they must be smart enough to know that they're destroying us from within so that makes me think once again enemy action right so that's my perception and i think that's a lot of people's perceptions and we're not going to go you know cause riot or anything but we're certainly going to speak out at least so yeah. so we kind of know that we don't really need to hover around the COVID stuff. Like at this point, if you don't get it, if you don't know that someone, like if you don't know someone that's injured at this point or that it actually just didn't work, like I, you're on your own. I, I don't know what to say. What yeah. do people need to know about the financial sector? Cause I see a lot of videos and there's people, like people are just kind of figuring that out. Maybe a lot of people in this community already know, but um yeah you've had some great videos around that so what do people really need to know about their money right now so um i had an episode that i did on youtube back in march of 2021 it's called uh hyperinflation and i talked about in uh the weimar republic which was germany which is germany it was called the weimar republic in 1921 and they suffered an episode of what's called hyperinflation. And basically it's when a, a loaf of bread went from three marks to 300 billion marks. So that's the equivalent of a loaf of bread being $3 to 300 billion. 
And so when you say that, it sounds like it's crazy, but it's also happened in Venezuela recently. Venezuela was the most wealthy South American nation and one of the most wealthy nations in the world. They had the oil at the turn of the century in 2000, 2005, to up, all the way up until like 2012, 2013. They were doing good. Doctors, lawyers, very good country. When Maduro got in with his socialism, they suffered from hyperinflation. And so their economy has been decimated, right? And again, same thing. Things went from costing, I think, five boulevard for a loaf of bread to 100 billion. So people can't afford food. They're eating from trash cans. There's all kinds of sources covering this, like Vice even, and all these other news, like people can check it out. Venezuela hyperinflation. So the most important thing that people need to understand about money is that the more government prints, the more inflation we have. So that's what inflation means, is an inflation of the money supply. So anytime that Trudeau proposes any spending and it's new money coming out of nowhere, it's being printed. And when it's printed, it dries up the cost of everything. And at first, those prices uh, start in assets. So it goes to uh, housing and housing will go up. And then it moves from assets into the things that we need. And right now we're witnessing the transfer from the assets from the housing market into the things that we need, which is the grocery store. And so that's why the prices of things are going up. It's not because Loblaws wants to make more money, right? <laughs> Loblaws has to pay more for the stuff that was brought to them with the gas that went up on the trucks. Walmart has to pay, uh, sorry, Walmart. <laughs> yeah, Loblaws has to pay more for the things. Now, is there a little bit of them trying to make some money? Probably, maybe they're trying to recoup a little bit of their losses like any business would uh, business. Uh, three years, right? The cost of planes, that fuel, it was like $1,000 to go to, to, to Philippines or Thailand. I know because I was trying to go in March or January. I checked that ticket was 1,000. I checked that ticket two weeks later, it went up to 3,000. So, mm -hmm. so once oil goes up, everything else goes up because as you look around you, everything in your room is brought to you by oil, right? So the most important thing people need to know is about, is about inflation, where it comes from and what they need to expect is that the price of everything is gonna continue to go up no matter what the politicians say. And that's because we have printed more money than we printed in our history. So it's, it's going to come out no matter what, right? So the best thing people could do, I, I, what I do, is I buy things that I need. I try to stock up like for something like at least a three to six month window. So if, like to last me for three months. So I'll go out and buy lotion to last me for three, three months or toothpaste to last me for three months or paper towels or I'll start three to six months. I do six months, but I don't expect people to go crazy out here. Um, and I buy the things I need. It is six months supply. And as that six months comes up, I'll restock, right? That's what you can do to mitigate from a practical level for the person who needs to go to the grocery store all the time. To someone uh, as grounded in reality and with the, the means to do it as you, definitely grow a garden because the most important thing is, is food. It's the most important, it's the primary energy source for humans. So it's basically food and money. And it could be argued that money is more important than food because you need the money to get the food. But if you have the ability to start your own garden, the area to do it should really consider doing it. If you have the ability to buy an acre up north somewhere where it's not been developed, you can get it relatively cheap. It might be three hours away. But if you have the opportunity to do that, you should really do it. I should take my own advice, like what you what you usually say. That's something I need to take my own advice on is growing that garden, right? So uh, money, it, the prices of everything are going to go up. And I think that people need to, to hedge their bets in something that is resilient against inflation, which for me personally, historically has been gold and silver. That's, I, that's my, my bet. Um, uh, or invest in something that can make your money 
basically weather the storm that's coming with inflation because the price of everything will go up. Yeah, I, there, there's no way th through this other than make yourself stronger right now to whatever yeah. level you can. And yes, we can't all move out of the city and move to the country and start a homestead, but we can be focused on really practical things. Like, yeah, even just buying your food in advance like that will save you money because it's going to get more expensive. Um, the gun bill terrifies me because we're actually, we're a hunting family. We have five freezers filled with moose meat. We have rifles and we fish and we hunt and we don't buy meat and like your average liberal that like lives in a city right. thinks all guns are used for violence and you know when when they were showing these rifles and people were horrified because it looks like an assault rifle i was getting in fights with people left right and center i'm like you guys have no idea what a gun looks like that's a regular hunting rifle that's not an ak-47 this is actually just what a gun looks like i'm not using a musket this is what a 22 looks like this is what a regular bolt rifle looks like they look cool it's not an assault rifle it's not an ak and even you know even my own mom actually i got my gun license and my 14 year old got her gun license the other weekend beautiful mom was Love horrified it. why would you do such a thing and i was like mom so good why do we have guns and she's like i don't know i'm making fun of her but i don't know a bear maybe i was like mom we feed ourselves <laughs> we feed ourselves with our guns and we have property but even like owning animals like that doesn't make sense financially because then you have to feed them and then you have to butcher them plus i've named them i can't do that but yeah. uh, hunting is really <laughs> practical and we are so disconnected from life skills hunting it's growing fishing that's very very true uh fishing is so important like just as a as a life skill because if it all falls down here you know you can just go up a little bit and throw your rod and even in lake ontario mississauga throw your rod and you can get a fish Yep. You'll be okay. But um, I, I think we've just been, we've been made so, we're so less resilient than we were as, as a culture, as a people in this whole continent, basically. Over the past 50 years, really, you know, it kind of all started maybe in the fifth, like after World War II, I think. I think we just got, we just got so reliant on technology that, but these are life skills people should have, right? Like you should know how to hunt, how to build a fire, survival skills, how, you know, if the electricity goes out, like how to keep food in jars and pickle them, you know, the little secrets that people used to know. I think that it's so important because like if people who believe in climate change and all these other things believe that we're entering into a, an Armageddon type situation where it all falls down, then if you think about it, the people who are going to survive are going to be the people in developing nations because they know they have this resilience. They know how to hunt. They know how to do these things. And then people here who know how to do those things will survive as well. So it's very practical to know how to do these things. And you raised a really good point that I had to write down because you said, you know, people in the city, basically, they have the luxury to say these things about guns. But when you put it in the perspective of we use guns to hunt and for our food. In the city, you're no better. You're going to, how many animals have you killed today? Because you ate them from the grocery store. It's just different because you're disconnected, right? Yeah. So you're still going to the store and buying that piece of meat and you kill, you helped to, uh, to kill that animal. So you did kill an animal today and eat it. You participated in this ritual two or three times per day. 
So you're no better than the person who is going to hunt that animal, right? You're just removing yourself from it and pretending like it doesn't exist. So that's an important point that you raised. And I think that that helps to get through to people. And the people that are anti-hunting or anti-guns, they're like, well, you don't need to do that because like we have the grocery store, we have the government to take care of us. The only thing that needs to happen for people to die is the internet go out. Yeah. Internet goes out, then that's the supply chain. That's the freezers. That's like everything is run on these systems. That's the only thing that needs to happen. Yeah. Very, very true. Very, very true. Um, can I touch on one more thing about money that you mentioned? Yeah. Uh, another thing that, of course, I've been talking about recently is these central bank digital currencies. And I think if we're talking about money rather than just talking about the current system, we have to talk about uh, certain plans that uh, governments are putting in place for a, what they see as a new system, which is to make things completely digital. And so uh, the, there is definitely a phase out of cash. Um, so that things could be more tracked. And the the reason why they want to do this is so that they can better uh, control spending on initiatives that they want to keep an eye on, like climate change. So they want to mitigate that situation by being able to track what people do by large, because that's the only way that they think that they can stop this crisis that in their minds is like the absolute truth, right? It's like a religion. So to them, they have the power, they think the world is ending, so they have to take more power into their hands. So CBDCs, I think, are, are bad because it, it gives way to that. Um, there, I, do ha- I, l- I would like to say that I, I have a, fi- a more fair and balanced approach on it, but um, I really don't because I don't see a need for it. We already have digital money. There's no reason why the Canadian dollar should be, uh, why the private bank should be cut out of the equation and the government control money. There's absolutely no reason for that. The only reason for that is control. So I think if we're being honest about that, I think any, and and that's why it only has 16% of the support of Americans. Canada is doing their studies now. And if they're honest reporting, then it will show similar results. Uh, Bank of Canada just stopped taking in public opinion as of yesterday, sorry, as of the 19th. So we'll see those polls come out soon, but most people don't trust it, right? So I think that's something we need to expect is that they know that people don't want CBDCs worldwide. All of the populations don't want it. Uh, So what could happen is a purposeful destruction of the current financial system. So people should also be prepared for that scenario. And and the reason is to not make people worry is to to make them prepare. Because I think I heard it said somewhere that anxiety is the space in between you knowing something and you doing something about it. Everything else between then is the anxiety that you that you have. And it's better that you prepare first than scramble with everybody else when it actually happens. Because when they're scrambling, you're going to feel real nice and comfortable. Not super comfortable, but you're going to be able to weather the storm yep. like Noah. <laughs> so yep. that's something else people need to keep their eye on is these central bank digital currencies and uh, just be prepared to sign anything that they see come out against it, any petitions, anything that you see your fellow citizens doing against it, just be aware of that in the pipeline and try to stop it. That's right. You know, there's a lot of people uh, that are praising themselves for like, quote, being awake, but they've been awake for three years and haven't taken action on any of this stuff. So there's no point in even being awake if you're not using it, that information to do something. And and maybe just practically they've been overwhelmed with like, well, what do I do? Um, I'm in the same camp with gold and silver. 
I have a teeny bit of crypto. I don't know how I feel about it, but I'm in, I'm Me team too. silver and I am just Yeah. funneling in it like as fast as humanly possible. Silver's cheap y'all. It's going to get more expensive. It's money in your hands. And I think we all need to be doing this right now. Gold's a little bit more expensive. That will also be more valuable. And if you're following what's happening with like the prices, they're artificially in, um, lowering the price. And because that's what my husband said when I when we went online, he's like, well, why is the price going down? And I've been talking to people like Blake from Western Metals, and he's like, they're artificially lowering it. Because when you actually see it go up, then Yeah. he has a better explanation for it. But if you could actually see the value of it, people would panic. Yeah. Absolutely. And they absolutely will. And the only way that people are able to buy groceries and feed their family for up to a month is because they have just two ounces of silver or one ounce of silver in Venezuela. The people who are living good in Venezuela right now are the ones with gold and silver. When the Vietnam War happened, Um, the people who were able to get out and get onto the boats and were able to escape the Viet Cong were the people with the gold. So they charged you an ounce of gold for every human life you wanted to save. So if you had your family, those who had five ounces, be an ounce for each life. So you gave them five ounces and you get on the boat and it would save your life. So in, in, in uh, situation after situation, gold and silver has always withstood um, governments, countries, wars, changes everything it, it it's 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 unchanging and it's the only form of true money everything else is currency um our dollar used to be backed by gold as i'm sure you know like even the canadian dollar was backed by gold and silver you could bring it to the bank and exchange it for an amount of physical gold or silver as soon as we separated ourselves from that standard we allowed ourselves to be able to print money unlimited that was in 1971 when nixon left the gold standard and he separated the gold uh, the gold from the dollar so that they could print money unlimited. And then you had a massive explosion of inflation in the 70s, and it was a big crisis that didn't get handled until 1980. And the only other inflation that compares to this time's inflation was then, was the 70s. So it's it, everything is linked to gold and silver, and I think it's the most important thing that people definitely need to know. Uh, I, I'm a little bit biased in it myself, but uh, I would definitely encourage like people to do their research on it, because once you start doing research, you start to see it for what it is. And all... companies who hedge even billion dollars, billion dollar companies, they all tell you it's well known that they say 10% is the what they um, what they say you should have in gold and silver. Me personally, it's a lot more than that for me because I'm crazy. But that's the minimum that they always suggest. So and there's a reason why they suggest it. It's because if it all falls down 1929 style, Great Depression, gold and silver is what will make you resilient. well and if BRICS happens if that goes through we're not talking a depression or a recession we're talking about a collapse and that's what happened in venezuela where your money in the bank is worthless less than worthless Um, so I've, t I like to talk to all the financial people. I like to talk to the crazy ones who are like, we're screwed, liquidate everything, move to Costa Rica. Like we're done. I've talked to those people. Um, I've talked to people that are in the financial sector that work in like oil and gas, like really have their pulse on geopolitics. What's happening with BRICS and the possibility that the US dollar could collapse? Like if the US dollar collapses, we're so tightly knit with them, like that then we're in the same boat. 
Now, what the people in like the regular monetary system are telling me is that's possible, but it would be hard to do. The reason being is that there's no good substitute for the US dollar, like no one's going to want to use the Chinese currency because the CCP like artificially controls the price point and the US dollar is actually based on market value. No one wants to use the Russian ruple. So right now there's not a good solution. And that's like the the one piece of like dental floss that like we're standing on. But if they create something, some gold backed digital currency, perhaps, I don't know, then whoosh. And we know, like, I believe that we're already in World War Three. I think this is it. I don't know if it'll ever get violent. It's uh, a battle between the US, China and Russia. And we're teetering on the line. Trudeau's basically already sold us to China. So maybe we've already lost and this is all an illusion. I'm not too sure but people need to take action on like the money stuff like today yeah you got to protect yourself and your family first um and then the world will you can just have to hope that the world figures itself out right um and if you have it within you and you feel moved to then you can spread information or you can speak out but that's not in everybody but I think that everybody should make themselves resilient for sure, because it's the best thing you can do. And it's, it's, it's why you don't have to worry to like people get very uh, brought down by bad news. Um, I don't personally, because I'm, 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 I'm actually an optimist and I do think that we're going to basically rise above this, uh, particularly in North America. Um, because eventually I see a situation in which we have bigger fish to fry and we kind of have to be reborn or refined by fire first. Um, but that's another kind of conversation. <laughs> so I, but I, I still think that we have good hope and the indications for that would be, um, we seem to have some, a few journalists left with a voice that can expose things. We have a few patriots and CSIS that came forward and exposed things. And we wouldn't have known about this, uh, about China's deep influence. It's a huge scandal. It's probably the biggest thing in Canadian history, if you ask me it's it's huge man and this whole thing with with the special rapporteur and everything it's because it's happening in real time people don't appreciate it for what it is but this is all going in history books for sure um if they don't burn do them. See, pardon me <laughs> if they don't burn those books if they don't burn them yeah exactly right yeah so gotta start a journal <laughs> yeah yeah but i am an optimist because of those indications that that we have um so far and i think that uh I think that there's still a good chance that things can work out, but, but we need to be able to weather the storm for that to happen. And I think that these things are in motion, right? The destruction of the financial system, the BRICS nations, uh, they're definitely going to come out because they're tired of using the U S dollar and the, the U S dollar was weaponized against Russia. And they saw that they, they thought they realized that if anything ever happens, it'll be used against them. So they have to protect themselves. And it's also, it's also, it's a tactic of economic warfare, right? They, they know what's going to happen when they do that, right? I'm not blaming them. They got to do what's good for their country. But we also need to know that once that happens, that's trillions of dollars that are coming back here. That's the destruction of the current, that, that's hyperinflation slash possible destruction of the current economic system in order for them to usher in CBDCs. So I see things as all connected, even though they're different topics. I see things as a web. They're they're very much connected, right? Like COVID lockdowns are connected to these climate change lockdowns. 
yeah. right? So that may be in the pipeline. So, but I think the be the best thing is to be aware of these things. As soon as you're aware of them, you're resilient against them because the media will start to put out a message, and you're already smart enough because you've heard about this. You knew it. You knew it was coming. I think that we're going to have a chance to get the word out before these things actually get enacted. And I don't think it's ultimately going to work, but I do think it will get bad and then get better. I think so too. Like, and that's an important thought when you're prepping, you're not prepping till the end of days. You're prepping yeah. for a period of time because they're really yeah. smart, powerful, good people that don't want to lose their money that don't yeah. want the West to collapse and they will build yeah. something. And I think about yeah. that all the time. There were things like the financial system was based on a lie. Maybe it needed to collapse first in order to be rebuilt. Some of these things yeah. have, like the yeah. lies needed to come out. So we need to sustain ourselves for a period of time. And as soon as you, this is what I do in my community. As soon as you start taking action, then you get rid of your anxiety, even if you don't have it all figured out. Like I got people with like tiny little indoor grow ops now for like a little bit of food. It's not going to feed them forever. They're starting to feel better. You know, the first time I figured out what like what a Bitcoin was and like got it on this cold key, I put like two grand on there. I'm like, I feel better already. That amount of money is not going to sustain me forever. But every little step that you take is beneficial. Now, if shit hits the fan, I'm not in a moment of panic trying to figure out what digital currency is and how to get it. I'm not panicking trying to figure out where to buy silver and gold. I already have it and I could quickly transfer to my bank account in a second. So I have a teacher that says, you don't wanna learn how to swim when you're drowning in the ocean. I think now is a very special time. Like now that things aren't like collapsing, do the things you need to do now while it's yeah. okay. Yeah, totally agree with that, 100%. That's the most practical thing that you can do. And like you said before, information without action is kind of meaningless, right? Mm -hmm. so. um, well, this was great. I love talking to yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank uh, you. I, that's you know that's another thing that gives me hope. I was saying before we hopped on here, uh, you, you did get deleted off of TikTok, but I see all kinds of people get deleted and rebuild and deleted and rebuild. So even yeah. with this totalitarian censorship, people are still seeking out the truth, and we keep sticking around. So that gives me a lot of hope too. I don't think that it can totally be suppressed at all. No, no, it won't be, and. Uh... Once you have your why, you can withstand anyhow. And once you know how to do something and you know it works, nothing can stop you. And if they take me off the internet, I'm going door to door and I'm far more effective in person. So they better, <laughs> it's in their best interest to keep me where they can see me, you know? Uh, but I will go door to door. I'm from the 90s. I will do that. And I have it right there on my TikTok. If they take me offline, I'm, I'm running for office. I don't, I don't care. There's nothing, there's absolutely nothing that can stop me. Only the unmentionable. And even if that happens, I would love for it to happen because if it happened, it's an honorable way to go. And I'm going, trying to do the best for my country, to uplift people, to inspire them and to make them more resilient. Just we'll like you. A, we'll get a seed oil powered bus and we'll travel across <laughs> Canada doing freedom events. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I love it. Where can people find you if they want more of your videos or if this is like brand new to them and they're like, oh my God, I wanna I wanna find these great videos. Yeah, absolutely. People can find me on any platform. It's ProMain Show. So that's my first letter of my first name and my last name. So P 
P-R-O-M-A-I-N, Promain Show. Uh, and that would be on Twitter. It would be on, it used to be on TikTok. It's on Instagram, on YouTube, uh, on Rumble. Um, pretty much anywhere you see a social media platform, if you're looking for me, I'll be there on Promain Show. Right now, I'm just on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. But if you start to see those go, you'll see me anywhere else. Rumble specifically, because they're out of Florida. I don't think I'm going to get censored there. So I already started that account, but yeah. And maybe on your front doorstep, maybe. Exactly. <laughs> don't worry, I'll be coming to you. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Phil. Thank you. It was great meeting you. Take you. care. All right. I hope you loved today's episode, guys. Definitely head over to Instagram and follow him, Pro Main Show. Um, he's kind of my go-to news guy. And, you know, Bill C-18 is going to make it harder and harder for us to get the news. So um, we're going to have to find more people like Phil to get information that we need. If you like what we're doing over here on Sense Making, please consider hitting the subscribe button. And if you like this episode, if there's something of value here that you think someone needs to know, um, please take a second and share it to your Instagram stories. It helps us a ton. As always, thank you so much for listening. I really love and appreciate you guys. Thank you for your messages, your DMs, your shares. Um, you guys are really just giving me life, you know? This is a crazy world and you guys are making it possible for me to continue the work. So thank you from the bottom of my heart and I'll see you guys for next week's episode.